In this episode, we bring on Alex Hall, who is one of the owners of JDI Barbell, who have fostered a culture and team of weightlifters that can still be felt today. We dive into where he grew up, what it's like living in New York, his training and how he got into fitness, the evolution of JDI Barbell, and he shares some of his modern day wisdoms through the experiences uh, of his life. So all that and more, tune into this episode of Into the Unknown. By the way, it's an absolute banger. Welcome to the Into the Unknown podcast, the show that dives into all things fitness, politics, mindset, current affairs, sports, and everything in between. With a generous sprinkling of humor, at least on my part, and pop culture, I'm Connor Campbell. And I'm Yushan Sue. So without further ado, plug in, sit back, and enjoy being taken into the unknown. All right, guys, welcome back to Into the Unknown. On today's podcast, it's not just myself and Yushuan again. We're actually bringing on Alex Hall, one of the Thank owners God. of JDI Barbell, which is situated outside or out of New York. Uh, from humble beginnings in Long Island City, Queens. For those of you that don't live in New York, you probably have no idea where that is. Um, but it's it was and still is one of the most prolific gyms in New York. Uh, at the time, they fostered a huge culture and a team of weightlifters and powerlifters that can still be felt now today in New York. JDI now has multiple locations based in Tribeca, which is downtown Manhattan, and Harlem, which is uptown Manhattan. And the team has been growing exponentially since that location has uh, expanded. Now, we're bringing Alex on because he has such a unique story. As most people will tell you, living and growing in New York, I hope I, I, hope I did that justice. I don't know. I've been practicing it. Um, <laughs> it isn't all sunshine and rainbows, uh, but it is a lot of coffee. I'm delighted to bring on Alex and to share his pearls of wisdom for his life. Jesus, who allowed you to do this? I, I don't I know. Don't... I just I just thought I'd roll it off the tongue. He's obsessed. You know? He's obsessed with the word coffee, man. I am. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, thank you so much for coming on. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, absolutely, yeah. man. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, and I do apologize for my New Yorker accent. It's not the best. I have been practicing it. The only words I can say is New York and coffee. That's it. But I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, exactly. So first of all, let's uh, kind of bring you in. Tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you grew up and sort of, who or what shaped you into sort of the, like the man you are today? All right. Um, yeah. I mean, so just starting from, from, from the beginning. So I'm, I'm originally from New York. So born and raised in New York city, um, grew up in Manhattan uh, most of my life, um, live in the Bronx currently. Uh, so I grew up a combination of, I grew up kind of, I was in a bunch of different places in the city, but, um, East Harlem and, uh, Upper West Side, those were like primarily where I, where I lived and resided, hung out. Um, and yeah, so what kind of shaped me and brought me and made me who I am today, I don't know, I think is a complex set of factors. Um, I don't know if I could pinpoint it and say one thing or another, but, um, you know, even strength training, like I didn't get into strength training probably until a little bit later, later in my life. But I would say I was always like, even as a kid, like I used to draw a little like muscle men. Like I was, I was, I was like, I don't know, I guess like subconsciously kind of obsessed with like the aesthetic of strength training. Right. And so the aesthetic is what, what got me initially, if we, if we're on that topic. Um, 
but have you know have have also found like other interests. I've you know been interested in entrepreneurship, interested in real estate, interested in business. Um, so you know it's it's evolved. You know it's it's you know been 30, 30, 30 something years. I, I don't I don't want to say what the something is, but it's been thirty something years of practice. You know, so uh, yeah, man. That, that's I don't know if that's the answer you were looking for, but if you have any questions, hit me. No, that's perfect. And I think I've I've noticed it's a common theme uh, around a lot of New Yorkers that they kind of dip their hands in a lot of different pots. As I mentioned before, you know, it's New York is getting more expensive and it, and it is one of the more expensive cities in the world. And so I've noticed a lot of people have this mentality of like, you just have to get in and just do the work. Um, you know, you, you mentioned that you're sort of into entrepreneurship and real estate uh and and so on and so forth do you think that's a common thing that new yorkers just have this kind of mentality of you know they're they're they just work hard and and it's uh it's a hard place to live and to grow up and they call it like a like a hustler's mentality you know like people grow up with the hustler's mentality i don't know that you necessarily grow up with it. i mean definitely everybody doesn't doesn't definitely doesn't have it um mm. you know and and I don't know. I think that's, I don't know that it's just New York. I mean, I don't have much experience anywhere else, but I think like, like, I mean, when I watch social media all day long, everybody's talking about like, if I'm scrolling through Instagram, everyone's talking about how they hustle and how they have this job and this LLC and this and that. And like, some of it is just bullshit. You know I mean? You know, <laughs> it's, it, that, you know, that's the, the, the reality, you know, but um, I mean, I think there are also plenty of people who just find contentment in like in their, their job and in their nine yeah. to five and in, in whatever it is they're doing. Um, but often I think the, the, if we, if we like talk about a bigger, like kind of, kind of social problem, right. is like that people can't align their interests necessarily with what makes them money. And that's the, that's the tricky part. So a lot of people seek search for their interests in other places and try to find that that's what ends up turning into, into hustles, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess as well, you know, you have a unique experience cause you know, you, I met you at JDI, which is, well, the, probably I would argue the best barbell gym in New York and I'm not being biased. I just know that <laughs> for fact, but one thing that I've noticed around strength coaches is like a lot of strength coaches or people that work in the fitness industry don't actually have side hustles. You know, they think that, um, that coaching is the only way that they should make revenue. And yet when I first met you, when I met Harper, when I met Jesse, all of you guys have different avenues to earn income. And that's something that I, discovered literally only two years ago after coaching for eight years um so i think it, it's just an interesting um i don't know whether it's a development in in the realm of fitness that like people realize that it's it's good to to work hard but at the same time sometimes you've got to actually make that money work for you and you can't just be on the the shop or the shop floor as my old coach used to call it you know 60 wow. 70 hours a week at least sustainably it's difficult to do that right um so how i'd love to hear how you kind of got into fitness in the first place you you mentioned a little while ago that you used to draw sort of muscled stick men um sort of where did that love come about and and you know i i, I want to get into sort of your powerlifting ventures and so on and so forth as well um if you guys don't know alex is ridiculously strong um so ridiculous how ridiculous <laughs> 
um so yeah let's i'd love to hear about that and and i kind of want to take it from a perspective of like what got you started in training and and what what you continue to do it for as well yeah for sure man um so yeah the 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 like aesthetic portion and kind of always always like like wanting that that's uh i mean that's something that that i guess stuck with me but it but it wasn't it didn't just drive me to train right because i was like a chubby kid growing up so I was always like, you know, a little fat boy and, you know, like got made fun of for being, you know, for, for, for being chubby. So, you know, it was like, that was, that was my, um, I guess that was always like a, like an aspiration of mine, but I, I don't know. I, it, for me, it was like, I didn't necessarily know how to get it. Right. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how anything. So I started like, like playing around. I remember, you know, when I was, I was like 18 and, and I saw a picture of myself right and i was in um i was like on vacation i saw a picture of myself with the shirt off and i said damn i'm fat i got to do something <laughs> right i said i got to do something man. so i started running you know i was jogging and i lost a ton of weight but i didn't even realize that i lost it like cuz you know you see yourself every day you don't see changing yourself especially you know you're 18 18 year old kid running around 18 19 and then you know all of a sudden i started people noticing oh my god you lost so much weight and then at, at the gym, there was a trainer one, one time who was there, only showed me upper body movements, but he was like, you know, start running two times a week and, and do this three times a week. So I started playing around, but then fell off and, you know, became inconsistent, was like back and forth. I was always active. I was always an athlete, despite play basketball, you know, box, did this, did that. Um, but then, uh, but never like really developed a consistent routine. Um, yeah. When I'm really the consistency that I built around my my routine was when I went was when I went to jail so that's you know part of my life we haven't touched on yet but um when I um I, I spent a long period of my adult life almost you know almost my entire adult life in 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 prison um so I was I started working out in on Rikers Island which is like you know New York's kind of notorious jail where you know you're held for for you're held pre-trial right so that's before you get sentenced and go to prison um, so I started, I started work, I developed a routine there. There were no weights um, in the yeah. building I was in. So it was just pull-ups, dips, push-ups. And then, you know, we would make shit weights, right? We would make, you know, yeah. we'd grab, get like water bags or get whatever from the mess hall and, you know, do squats with them, have people lay on your backs and do, and do push-ups, you know, like, but, but I got in a very, very, very consistent routine. And I would go to the yard every morning, right? And you never knew when they were going to call it, right? Sometimes it was five in the morning. Sometimes it was six in the morning. Sometimes, it, so you you just, I would go to the yard for an hour every morning. I would go outside, pull up steps, push ups, like five days a week. And then I would run, I would jog the other two days. And then, you know, I'd come back later on and I'd do like some squats later on because it was, it was nothing else to do. Yeah. But the value of that is like, you you build you build a routine and when you start building routine and then start seeing the effects that it has on on your body then you start to want it and you start to just continue to do it but i think even more like at first it's the aesthetics at first it's like what it's doing to your body but then it becomes like nah it's not that it's actually the regimentation it's it's me being being in this every day that's making that that's making me stick to it and you know i was down so i was down there for about 2 years doing that and then once I went upstate, there are weights. So when, when I when I when I got sentenced and went to prison, there are weights. So I just every everywhere that I went, basically that was my thing. Like I was looking for weights. And in the two years preceding, I had read 
every muscle fitness flex and muscular development magazine that came out right yeah. so like that's what i would ask people to send me from home i would say just send me md send me the new md if you can find it give me oh can you give me a subscription you know that type of thing so yeah. i just would read and read and read and read so i knew how to work out before i could even touch a weight <laughs> at least yeah. you know, at least theoretically i knew how to work out and um yeah man so that that's that's the, the the beginning of my story. Yeah. Yeah. What, was, guess, it, um, what uh, was it like? What was it like working out in prison? I mean, I don't know if that's a stupid question, but like, what? Uh, not at all. You know, like, what was the vibe? I don't think any question about prison is a stupid question because people sensationalize it in so many different ways, and it's so much yeah. like it's cut off from society so much that mm. people's ideas of prison are what they see in movies and what they see on shows yeah. right and it's and it's not it's not it's not really a reality of 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 what it's like you know it's it's a sensationalized version right it's it's the yeah. john wick of you know what i'm saying of, <laughs> of prison like so um so so what was i mean what was it like i mean you know in 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 the yard i mean you have uh you know, it's well in so in on like Rikers Island, it's you have, you know, you have pull up bar, you've dip bar, and you know, you just get in where you fit in. You get online and you know, wait for the bar, you get up, do your set. You um you start to when people start to see you more frequently, you start to develop like kind of like a crew or a team of people that work out consistently. They offer tips, advice. Some people don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Some people actually do know what they're talking about or know yeah. a little bit. And, you know, so you take some and uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And, you know, you you, you learn and, but, you know, pretty much like the, the people who are working out, are, are, it's like you're kind of staying away from the other BS that's happening, right? Because yeah. there's a lot of stuff like the yard is the meeting place for everybody, essentially, right? So like if people have, you know, if, if you know, just lots of things happen, lots of prison things happen right jail things happen right people are talking about people and talking about this incident and talking about this situation and talking about who's getting drugs and talking about who's getting this and talking about who's getting that and it's like but you you know you when you stay in in the like workout area you're, you're in, in a lot of ways like isolated from that so you know it keeps you busy it's like you know sedentary you know time what, what is it what is the saying like idle hands whatever but whatever, whatever the saying is right <laughs> is that if you keep yourself busy, you know, you, you, you're more less likely to get in trouble, you know? So it helped me do so that. So all of that, all of that was happening sort of at the same area that you'd be working, you know? In the same, I mean, the same yard. So think of the yard, I mean, d- depends yeah. on the place you go. Like every, every jail and every prison is so different. And the way it's structured is different. Like, it's not like, it's not like you're in one jail in, you know, let's say you're in Clinton, which is a prison upstate, right? Let's say you're there and you go to, you know eastern right which 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 are two different prisons that i was in they're not structured the same they're not set up the same the yard doesn't happen at the same time the way that you take showers doesn't happen the same way like you know everything is different um so it's it's like for me for to talk about one thing as if that's like the the way that prison works is like would be inaccurate also you know yeah Um, but there are trends yeah for sure i think it's interesting as well because like for me, so one of my first coaches when I started in weightlifting was obsessed with the book Jailhouse Strong. Okay. Came out in like 2013. And I think the two authors, when they were writing the book, uh, they loved this idea of just like simple, but also raw uh, 
essentially it would be like building a base push-ups pull-ups squats you know just basic exercises that you do again and again and again and uh from what i've read through the book because he was obsessed with it he gave me a copy and i still have it today from like 2013 that he gave it to me um they actually interviewed like mr olympias they interviewed the co-founder of like the crip street gang um and they essentially just developed this program that was almost supposed to be like a jailhouse program um and it was just bodyweight movements you know it was it was low time low cost whether you're doing like a nine to five um but what you just touched on of providing like a fitness habit for not just getting strong but like staying like being able to i guess balance around like a volatile environment you know is is super important because you can you can take that you now have those skills and and once you're once you're on the outside you have it on both sides you know like it's not just it's about developing a mentality and developing those kind of habits that you can carry with you wherever you go um which is i think a really cool point that you brought up so i just wanted to kind of press on that um have you ever have you ever read that I've never read that. Yeah, I've I've never I've never read that. I mean, I I follow the page like Jailhouse Strong, but yeah. I I've never I don't yeah. I, I mean, I I would say like the regimentation portion that you're talking about and the habit building is yeah. is like is a consequence of just years and years of doing the same thing. But it, it's a healthy habit, right? Yeah. So like, like after years and years of doing it, you start to rely on it and it starts to become a thing that not only do you. Like, do you want to do what you have to do, right? And if you don't do it, you you, you feel off. And I mean, I, I give you an example, but like re- recently, like my schedule has just not been allowing for me to get my my workouts in during the day. Yeah. And it, it, my schedule has been so sporadic. So I said, you know what? I need to start waking up at five in the morning and I need to go to the gym and train at 6.30, you know? Like I need to lift at 6.30, but that's in me, right? Like yeah. it's not it's not something like, it's in me because I love, I love doing it. And I know that doing that aligns the rest of my life in a lot of ways. If I continue that habit and that regimentation, then other things in my life fall into place, right? All of a sudden my eating starts getting a little bit more regimented, right? Like all of a sudden I'm a little bit more on top of my schedule. Not today, obviously, because I was 15 minutes late for this call, but <laughs> you know, I, they, they, you know, I, you get on top of your schedule and just the rest of your life starts to fall in, fall into place. So, I, I mean, I, I believe that, that like that habits are, are, are very important in, in, you know, in living a, like a productive and a healthy life, you know? Yeah. And like you mentioned, you know, you can apply that to lots of different things for you that working out is that kind of trigger that helps you organize other parts of your life. Whereas for others, it might be getting their kids out of bed and putting them in the car and driving them to school kickstarts their day, you know, those kind of habits. And I guess getting themselves out of bed. What's that? (laughs) Or getting yourself out out of bed. One thing. So I read a book by Navy seal and it's literally called make your bed. Um, and it's literally as simple as like, if you recognize that that's a trigger and a signature that if you do that every day, you can do anything else with your day. But if you make, if you don't make your bed, then it's almost like a catalyst that you, you start putting off other things and you don't have that routine. And it can literally be as simple as getting up at five, going to the gym or literally just get up and make your bed. Like um, yeah, for sure. So I want to talk about, about JDI. Um, yeah. And let's big it up a little bit for what it is. 
Um, I guess, where did you get your start in coaching? Because we've spoken a bit about fitness and obviously mm-hmm. you, you kind of developed some experience of training yourself, which I think is vitally important when you start training other people of like experimenting different ways. You know, how did you get into the coaching side of it and sort of what led you to, to um, JDI? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just going to, it's going to start kind of a, a ways back, but I always like you, you always like it, w- working out in, you know, in, in, in prison, you end up working out with people. So you end up working out and like having a team of people, right. And having a little bit of knowledge and then, you know, in practice learning and, and learning more, I began to help people out and coach people, right. Not necessarily in the ways in which I coach people now, but I began to like help people with their, te- with technique, you know, like with their deadlifts and with their squats and with this and with that. And like, all I lifted was like, all we lifted was barbells, right? Like weights, weights in, in most, in, in most jails, especially if they're outside are welded, right? So you have a 135, a 225, a 275, a 295, all welded together, right? So you can't rip weights off. You just take jumps, right? And you do, you do things. So you, you, but you end up working with what you have, number one, right? Learning all types of different ways to, to, to do the do, do exercises, but also realizing that you don't need a ton of machines or anything to get right, right? Like you see guys running around ripped, you know, huge, big. And only half of it is, gen- you know, I mean, a lot of it is genetics, right? But a lot of it is just hard work, yeah. you know, and hard work and, and just lifting, lifting steel, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but but so I, the coaching element, I would say, started then, um, and then it came to a point. I, I also went went to I also went to college when I was um uh, when I was upstate. So I was in involved in this program, really great program called the Bard Prison Initiative. So it's it's run it's run by Bard College, which is a which is a small liberal arts college in upstate New York. Yeah. Um, so I was involved with that. I had a science teacher. I was I was pushing for like biology classes to come. So this biology teacher created a whole curriculum where he didn't need to do labs. What he would have us do is read journal articles. So we would read journal articles and then synthesize the journal articles and then talk about them and like kind of make extrapolations. But if we didn't know what an experiment was, we'd have to ask, mm. what is this? You know, like what is a polymerase chain reaction, right? Tests, like what is that? What's a PCR? And then he would sit there and explain it to us. This is how it works. This is how how it works. So basically what they're testing is X, right? So I would would take the notes from the muscular developments and the, the, uh, like the footnotes in the, in the, in those muscle magazines. And I used to shoot him the, 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 um, the citations and ask him to pull those journal articles for me. Right. So he used to bring in those journal articles and I, and I started reading like different, like meta analyses. And I would read like, I would read like one-off studies, but one-off studies, like a lot of times, like, but, but I started to see the bullshit, right? Like I started to see where the articles were, like we're extrapolating from data that really wasn't there, right? So I was learning a little bit of science at the same at the same time, mm-hmm. um, but then all of that just I feel like made me better at at what I was doing over the years, right? Made me more more effective. And until I until I said I came to a realization, I was like, I need to just be doing this, right? I'm doing this for fun. I need yeah. to be doing this for work, you know. When when I go home, and then you know I powerlifted for a while. There's a powerlifting competition that happens annually. So I did powerlifting. My first powerlifting competition, I think, was in 2010. I just decided to go for it. I was more into like bodybuilding style training, but I had put on a little bit of size, and you know, I was like, 
you know, all right, cool. Like, let's, let's do it. So I trained for a powerlifting competition with a guy there who they said was, was great. And, you know, you know, looking in hindsight, like he, he didn't, it was just like, go heavier every week, you know, go heavier every week. So like linear periodization until you can't do, do anymore, right. Until you fail. But, you know, I got stronger and, um, and did a powerlifting meet for the, for the, for the first time. Um, they, you know, they host it and run it. It's, you know, different, not like USAPL, you know what I'm saying? But it's, but still like a ton of fun. So I would train for that and, you know, have friends who, who, you know, were, were knowledgeable also, and like, you know, knowledgeable in training. So I learned there when I got to my last year, when I got to a, a medium security facility, it, that was the last, the year before I went home, 2017, 2018, yeah. um, I ran a, a a powerlifting team so there was a powerlifting competition that was going to be coming up so i did the programming for it so wow. i took like i took kind of like a starting strength model and just like wrote uh basically wrote a program so i mean i don't know if i need to talk about a starting strength but whatever it's like, basically like a linear periodization program right yeah you always like to talk about starting strength oh, on this God. Podcast. <laughs> five by five every day Someone called me. I had a 25 minute conversation with a potential member yesterday about starting strength. He's like, oh, yeah, starting strength is great. I'm 65. They target my I was like, yeah, you know, it's good. Yeah, it's good. Starting strength yeah. is good. Um, so mm-hmm. I started strength, you know, starting strength in its, in its own ways is, is is great and is valuable, especially for beginners. Right. Most of these guys had never been on like any kind of structured program. Yeah. So anything would work. Right. Um, and, and, and it did. And so, we, you know, we had some, we had some, some pretty good results, guys all, you know, PR and stuff. And, um, and then I came home, uh, super into powerlifting. I was into powerlifting because powerlifting got like, was a little bit more like, in, like it connected kind of the science of what I was learning, uh, of what I was learning with like m- my practice of training. So like the bodybuilding, bodybuilding stuff, like wasn't, wasn't enough for me. I was like, I, like powerlifting dealt more with like with with the programming side. So anyway, that that followed me, and then when I came home, I, I when I was upstate, I studied for my CSCS exam, and yeah. I had the textbook. Um, so I studied for the exam, and then I came home, and a couple months later, I took it, got my CSCS, and then just started started working. Mm-hmm. Um, I started work doing some private, doing some private um, training. I worked at New York Sports Club for a while, you know, just trying to find my way in the space because I didn't, as much as you know, I didn't know what the world looked like, right? Like I didn't know what what I didn't know what the strength community was like out here, you know? Like I I didn't know I didn't know what, what existed. So so anyway, I just um I just kind of found my way through. It's in a bunch of spaces I didn't really like. Um, you know, New York big box gyms. And then I was in a CrossFit gym that was just like toxic. And, yeah. and then, you know, I was like, I got to get out of here. And I found Jesse watching YouTube. Um, so Jesse's uh, the founder of JDI Barbell um, watching YouTube found Jesse. Um, Jesse to me was, it was like, Oh shit. Like he's, he knows his shit and yep. he's, doing what I want to be doing. He has a strength, you know, strength coach, like his background, he was a strength coach at a college. I'm like, you know, so I reached out. Um, I reached out and he was actually really like receptive. He's like, oh yeah, you know, come in. Yeah. I show up and he wasn't there. So I'm like, all right. And the guy's like, well, if you want to come get a workout in, you can come work out with the team for the night. It was a powerlifting team. 
So I went in, they had like high bar squats or something like that on, on the menu that day, but whatever, I went in and did it. I never, I didn't do a high bar squat in probably seven years before <laughs> I went there, right? Um, but then I, um, I went and worked out. Jesse never showed up. I followed up and he never reached out to me. So I'm like, all right, maybe he's not looking for a coach, whatever, no hard feelings, but I'm like, all right, cool, I'll give it a break. Went back to what I was doing at the at the CrossFit gym, doing train, you know, training private clients. I was in a mentorship program at the CrossFit gym, just because it was like the only thing that I could find. Pretty much, it it was um, yeah. So th- then, long story short, I got fed up and I was like, let me reach out to this guy again. I reached out to Jesse again, and his partner at the time reached out to me. and was like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't know how we missed you show up tonight we're actually doing an interview and there were like four or five people there when i showed up mm. um and all interviewing for a strength coach position and um but like philosophically i think me and jesse just aligned really well like we're, we're, we're both like very no nonsense about our training and like we we kind of sift through the, the the bs that doesn't work and yeah. and just like believe in like effective methods of training uh, you know as as simple as that sounds it's really hard to find everyone thinks they know everything and like you know to be in a place where it's like where you can where you can find somebody who who relates to who relates to you and also understands that they have their own limitations and you know and and you know just and like fits your fits kind of like your mold is is rare so i found that and then long story short they ended up hiring me um and yeah, I mean, the, the, the rest is history, but it's a, but there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, of course. And now you have, you now you have, we've, we've just gone through a lot there, which is fantastic. And uh, now, now you have two locations, you know, which I guess poses very different challenges to, to you getting into the space and getting into JDI as, you know, a, be- a beginner coach. Um, I want to touch a little bit about on, on that, you know, it's like, what are some of the challenges that you guys have, or not all of them, but some of the challenges you guys have faced since working together, you know, since being in Long Island City to now having Harlem and, and Tribeca, how, how has that kind of evolved? I mean, it's, it's been, it's been an evolution is what it's been, man. It's, yeah. it's like, you know, you know, um, JDI was bigger than it had started at already when I, when I came in. So it was half the size it was, when I came in, when I came in, there was already a powerlifting side and a weightlifting side, right? So it was a little bigger, but still a very small gym, really minimal equipment. Um, and it was class-based. So it wasn't really an open gym, an open gym there. And if there was open gym, it would, it would be like from noon until like four or something like that. So it was like, the gym wasn't open all morning. When I got in there, I just saw a lot of opportunity, right? And, and, and I was hungry and I, you know, trying to, trying to build myself up, trying to build my business. And I was like, you know what? All right, let me just start. Let me just start getting busy, right? Like, like, and I came up, start coming up with ideas. I started coaching basically every class that had to do with powerlifting. I couldn't coach the weightlifting side. I'm, I, I have this much experience at weightlifting, right? Maybe now this much, right? Yeah. But like, not, a, you know, I was, not, I'm not a weightlifting coach. I don't necessarily claim to be, right? Like, I can coach a beginner, but at that point, I couldn't. So I was doing, I was doing all, all of the, but I was started doing from the strength, from the strength groundwork, which is the beginning class to the second level, then to the powerlifting team. Mm. Um, and then the, the ownership conversation happened because I was trying to also start new classes. And I told Jesse, I said, listen, I'll come in here at six in the morning 
and and do classes right and open up so that there's more of a presence because like we're closed all morning like what what gym is closed all morning you know what i mean and then um and and the 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 thing that i'll always like credit jesse with is he gave me the he gave me the one way to do it right he knew that he couldn't do it all himself and he was like look if you do it not only like can you do it but if you do it and it's successful like let's try to structure something with your pay so that if you have more people come in you get paid more right and for me that was unique right i had never heard that from anybody everybody's like take 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 right and wants to get all of your time and doesn't want to pay you for it whereas he was like no if you make this happen like like i want you to get paid for it um, and, and that's that's a that's a big deal. And I think it's still a big deal. Right. Because I try to keep that. I try to keep that consistent now in, in our in our current models. Like I want people to make money at JDI. Right. Like I'm, I want I don't make it tough for people to make like the top kind of coaching tier where they make the most money they can, because I want people to be happy there. And I want you to want to be here more. And, and I want you to get paid for what you're doing here. Um, so. So, yeah. Um, so that was that was the beginning of when like he started trusting me with more more things. Yeah, it, I, I just was at like it was it was a bit of a serendipitous time I would say because I was there at a moment where his partner was also transitioning out. So he had a capital partner, pretty much a capital partner. I guess he was probably interested in, in the business more in the in the beginning. Yeah, but then faded off and started to do his own thing. Right, opened up opened up another um or was part of opening up like this this other project it was like these float tanks but it was just more in the business family was in real estate had lots of stuff going on he was transitioning out yeah and i was there and jesse approached me and he's like you know i think christian might be leaving that that was that was his name's partner's name um he said i think he might be leaving um and he didn't really ask me but i i'm, I'm like deciphering i'm like <laughs> I'm like, I remember I stopped him. I said, wait a minute, are you asking me if I want to buy in? And he was like, Yeah, man, can you do it? And I was like, shit. I was like, hell yeah, I want to buy in. But I was like, I just got to get the money in my head. I'm like, yeah, yeah. money. Like, with you know, I had like I had some savings. I was working a full-time job also while I was doing all this stuff. So I had like I had some money that I had I had been saving. Um, but like you know, there was a ridiculous amount of money that was asked for at the beginning that we had to negotiate a whole bunch. Um, so then once we negotiated it to something that was more reasonable, uh, he wanted it up front. And I said, all right, cool. Just give me some time. And I figured it out, man. Um, so, you know, I went with like, my savings. I had a, actually my boss at the time who, who, who I, who I, I'll never forget and am indebted to forever. Right. Who lent me $8,000. Right. And at the time, that was like, whoa, you know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. he's this guy's gonna lend me eight thousand dollars for what I need to buy into this business, right? And he lent it to me, and I'm he got every dollar back within the first year, right? Because that was there was no way I wasn't gonna I was gonna like hold that off. So, yeah. um, so he, you know, he gave he gave me that loan, and I was able to buy in. And, you know, at first, you know, you think it's glamorous. I was making $600 a month. You know what I'm saying? And just yeah. getting paid for my private coaching. You think gym ownership is like this glamorous or all of a sudden you got all this money. But it's not. It's a hustle. And we were scrapping at the time. Right. Like it was. Yeah, we were we were making money. Right. It was a it was a profitable business when I walked into it. But it wasn't like not from a 
not from like an employment standpoint. Yeah, like yeah. They give me my living. So I was working at the same time as as I was there and and privates. The good part is, you know, once once you're in ownership, you don't have to pay people to do privates anymore, right? So my privates were, you know, were my were one of my main sources of income. Um and yeah, so so then do you want me to keep going, man? I, I'm, yeah, I'm, let's I'm, keep going. I'm just sat here listening. I'm strapped in. I'm yeah. ready for going for the long. Bro, this is oh. like a this is honestly a fucking crazy story. Is it? I, 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 I got it. <laughs> Like, honestly, like from, you know, you getting into studying strength science while you're in prison to now being a coder of JDI, like, I know you say as well that they, in the movies and the, the TV shows, like they really sensationalize prison. I'd fucking watch this movie, man. Like, yeah, I would watch, I'd this, movie. Watch, this movie. <laughs> <laughs> watch this movie. I appreciate that, man. All right. All right. All right. I'm going to keep going. You guys stop me, man. Everybody. Yeah, that's good. I um so so then um I as I'm kind of getting into the ownership I'm starting to realize that what people are asking for is a bit more of an open gym style and informally we're running 24 7 right because there are guys there's a crew of guys who comes in at nine o'clock at night and they train and I'm and the first night I call Jesse I'm like Jesse there's there's like four guys here weightlifting um they're still here do I kick them out when I lock the door (laughs) And he's like, who is it? And I was like, um, you know, him, 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 and him. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, they're good. They'll lock up when they leave. And I was like, okay, cool. So that just became a trend. So I'm like, all right, we're doing this anyway, right? Like, and and then SNS is another gym in, in the city. They had a 24-7 model. Yeah. So I said, you know what? Why don't we just try the 24-7 model? Like, why don't we see if it works? We get a keypad, right? So I got like a crew keypad. I was just keeping people's codes on a, on a, um, on a, uh, a Google sheet. Mm. I would just keep, but I issued everybody codes and we switched the sides of the gym. The weightlifters were mad at me. They might still be mad at me. Some of them because, <laughs> because I, because I, uh, the, the weightlifting, we had way more traction on the powerlifting general strength and conditioning side. Right. Yeah. And, and, and the, the, and, but that was the smaller side of the gym. So I'm, mm. I'm like, I, I don't want to make the weightlifters unhappy, but I think this is the smarter decision. Yeah. Right. So we did that. And then we, so we did that. I really did that. Right. So Jesse was, Jesse was there a little bit, but like I called all my friends. I was like, yo, listen, man, we got to move all this stuff in this gym around. Right. We got to resituate this gym. So we came in, started moving stuff around, um, painted. I had one of my friends did construction. He, he started installing the the power racks for me and, you know, helped, helped me out a ton. We just moved everything around and it, and it came out pretty dope, man, for it being like a, like a, like a crude kind of put together like that. It was, it was pretty dope. Um, and we made more space. We were able to take the power racks like off the wall. So basically create two racks instead of one. And, and it just created, it created a lot more space for the stuff to happen. And then a couple months later, COVID happened. Yeah. And, and we, so we were forced to shut down at that time. And um, what we did was we just reached out to our members when they when they forced us to shut down, and we were like, "Hey, look, we understand that the future is uncertain right now, but if you guys are willing to keep your memberships going, like whoever can do it and can afford to do it, like we're asking that you do do it because if not, we're not going to be here when, when when you you know when you when you come back." Yeah. Um, and a miraculous amount of people held on to their memberships 
you know, and kept paying yeah. their memberships. And some, some, you know, it started, people started to fall off, right? But it wasn't all, it wasn't all at once. Like initially, you know, maybe five people, 10 people canceled. At the time we had about, our membership was in, was about 80 people, right? So we had about five people cancel. And then, you know, a week later, one person, hey, I'm so sorry, I have to do this, but I just lost my job. You know, it was like a lot of those emails, but it's like, like I was, I, I feel like it's a testament to the community that we built there that yeah. people would even do that, right? Like even reach out, like explaining themselves about canceling a membership that, that, you know, like, you have no obligation. You're not even using the space. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but they would support us. And, and that was, you know, dope. And, you know, thank you still to everybody who did that because that's the reason we're, we're, we're still here. Yeah, um, of course. And then, and then when it came, like, it, it was, it was, that was also weird timing though. Cause our lease was up at the end of that, um, at the end of uh, that summer our lease was up. So we were looking for new spaces and looking for ways to expand in that current space because we needed a little bit more space. And we just could not find anything in LIC. Everyone still wanted rents that like that for raw spaces, you know, $7,000 a month for a raw space that we need to build out. And, you know, it was, it just was, it, it just didn't work. Um, so, so um, Jesse, and I talked about folding the business at one point, um, more, more Jesse than me. I didn't really want to, but he was out in New, he's out, you know, he's out in, you know, he lives, out New, he lives out in New Jersey. Um, he didn't really want to start commuting back. And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about just taking this virtual and just doing stuff virtually. And I was like, nah, man, we can't do that. Right. Like I said, I'm, I'm like, we're in New York city, right? Nobody's got garage gyms. You know yeah. what I'm saying? They don't, they don't have garage gyms. Like gyms are going to come back. It's just a question of when, like, let's mm -hmm. just use this time and let's get situated. We had, we, we came up with a couple ideas. We were kicking around ideas of like doing like a, like a hands off gym where it's like people could just swipe in mm -hmm. and be accessible, like have access to the, to the gym and like be unmanned kind of a thing, but have to have two locations. Right. And mm -hmm thought about it but none of our members none of the members I, I i hit up the members and i'm like what do you guys think about this they're like nah if anything we need more space like we're not mm -hmm. gonna want to go to a place that's smaller to lift and then i in just looking i was started looking in, in east harlem i was in east harlem at the time and i had dreamed about opening a gym in east harlem forever because i was like you know i want to that was like my one of my ways of like giving back like to 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 the, you know to the community is was saying like I, I i did like strength training has gone so well for me like it changed my life like i want to bring it to other people um and before i met jesse that was like my ambition i was like i'm gonna open a gym in east harlem so i was looking in east harlem for this little smaller location and then all of a sudden i find current jdi um which is which is 122nd street so in east harlem 122nd street and park avenue so i find that location and it was amazing but the ceilings were so low so <laughs> the, the pockets we have some pockets carved out of the ceilings now in in where the weightlifting platforms are that like goes around the beams mm. and it was all the all of the ceiling was closed though so i could touch the ceiling and i'm like this won't work 
Yeah. And the landlord who's, who's actually a great guy, right? It's not, not common in New York, but the landlord's a great guy. And he's like, I think when I built this building, you know, he built the building 30 years ago. He's like, I remember them being I-beams going across. And he's <laughs> like, I think you get about a foot more space if you go up. He's like, I'm going to have someone cut it out. And had someone cut it out and it worked, you know? No so, so, so he did that. And we were like, if you can get up there foot, then yeah, we'll take the space. So, um, yeah, so it was, so it was connected also, like that was also the first time because of all this SBA stuff that was happening. That was the first time we had like an injection of capital, right? We got a loan. Yeah. So that had never happened, right? This was, that was the first time we got some capital and it wasn't a ton of money, right? But I did the build out with about 60% of it. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, let's like, that was the first time we really had money. So I'm like, I'm not spending all of this. Like, let me, let me like penny pinch and just get everything right. So we start, you know, start ordering all the equipment, um, you know, whatever, bring all the equipment that we have from the old space, had to coordinate the move. And now again, this is like during COVID. So Jesse was in, um, in, uh, uh, New Jersey. So a lot of like the logistical portion of it came, came on my end. And then, you know, and then we, we, we built out, we built out Harlem. Um, Harlem was, I mean, it just, it just grew, man. It was the only thing open. So we got designated as, uh, we had a, got a different designation from the city and which made us an essential business. So we were able to, to open a little bit earlier than everybody else. So we yeah. opened, had people wearing masks and um, just membership started kicking and kicking and kicking and kicking and kicking and it came up. And, um, you know, then once after, you know, after a year and then after the, after the second year or approaching the second year, I looked at the numbers and I was like, you know, we could do this again, right? Yeah. Like, you know, with the numbers that we, with the numbers that I'm seeing, it's like we could do this downtown. You know, it's going to be tighter, right? But we can do this downtown. And like then, I mean, in my mind, I'm like we take over both ends of the island, right? I'm like we got uptown, and then we go downtown. I'm like, you know, and and before us, it was no strength gym in New York City, like mm-hmm. no proper strength gym. In, excuse me, not in New York City, on the island of Manhattan, right? Manhattan, Brooklyn, yeah. Brooklyn has a few strength, a few strength gyms. Um, Queens had us, but they have another strength gym a little, a little further out. It has like some powerlifting equipment. Um, but we were the only thing we were the only thing in Manhattan, like besides like a, like a mid city, which is like a little bit more like, like a bodybuilding centric gym. Like they have powerlifting stuff, but, um, like we, we were really the only thing that wasn't class-based open gym, powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting, general strength and conditioning. And it was, there was a need, man. And, and, and I think, think we filled it. Yeah, you definitely did. You 100% filled it. I mean, we well, were actively feeling it. Let me say that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when we first when we were first looking at moving to New York for Em's job, you know, we we were looking at, at gyms. And when we first started looking, I think we only had the uh, Harlem location. And then literally the week that we moved was your first week downtown. And I was just like, this was meant to be. We just yeah. turned up the first day you were there. You, we met you guys and I was like, this is perfect. And and it shows now, you know, it's getting busier and we've got our own little vibe down there, like little community with, with the Tribeca crew. Um, yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And also to, for you to recall all of that from where you first started as a strength coach to where we are now in 2020. 
Uh, I mean, a lot's happened. A lot's happened in between. It wasn't yeah, anything, I bet. But, <laughs> I mean, I think you probably you should get someone to write this film. I'm not even joking, Mike. Find someone for you to just be able to sit down and recall that entire story as yeah. well. Like, let's do yeah. that, man. Let's do it exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So through through some of the conversations that we've had over the last couple of months, uh, every time that we seem to have a chat, whether it be brief or whether it be a longer conversation like it is now, you always seem to have a unique perspective on a lot of on a lot of things. Um, one of them, which I don't even know if you recall, really resonated me with specifically was, um, you said to me, don't talk about it, be about it. And I think if people have just heard what you were talking about, they would a hundred percent agree that you live by that phrase. And I love that in particular because I'm quite big into stoicism. I love reading about stoicism and this is a this is the theme that Epictetus hit on time and time again, which was don't explain your philosophy, embody it. And I really love that phrase because it literally ma- it matches exactly don't talk about it, be about it. So could you share with us, apart from everything else you've just shared with us, some pearls of wisdom inside Alex Hall's mind? <laughs> Anything that you've learned over the years of, you know, your life, strength coaching, um, whatever it might be? Um, I yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I think this goes in tandem with with what you're saying about the don't talk about it, be about it on um, portion. I mean that's it's easy to it's an easy thing to say, right? Like don't talk about yeah. it, be about it, and it's like used in lots of different contexts. But I think the context that is most effectively used in is that you don't ever know everything, right? And you can't you can talk about your idea for years on end. But until you start trying, like, until you, until you start working, until you start trying, until you start, like, being in it, you're never going to figure it all out, right? Like, you figure stuff out. I figure stuff out every single day, right? Like, every single day I add a piece to the puzzle, right, of, of what I'm doing. Like, I look back at when I started, when I first started with Jesse, and I didn't know shit about business, right? I didn't know about accounting. I didn't know about, like, there's a million things on the back end and, and, you know, and strength training, right? Of course, like, I, you know, I learn every day, but like the, the business side of really like, you know, when you, when you, once you have, once you have a gym, like, once you, well, not a gym, but once you have a business, right? Once you're in the business is that you start realizing that this is no longer like just a passion project. Like, be cool, I'm passionate about it. But, like, you start to become less passionate about it when you realize all the other shit you got to do to stay passionate about it. You know what I mean? So you have to get a handle on all of the on, on all of the pieces. And, and as you're doing it, like, as you're doing it, doors start to open up, right? Because yeah. you're in it and, and, you're, and you're focused on it. So you start to see things and pick things up that you wouldn't have necessarily picked up before. If you don't, if you, if you never be about it and all you do is talk about it, you'll never get to the point where you're learning those things. Like, it's like the theory and practice idea, right? It's like you, there's a theory about strength training. There's a theory about maximum effective volume and minimum effective volume and all, all this good stuff. Right. But like, have you ever done 10 sets of 10? Right. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like that, like, like that's hard work. Like if yeah. you've never done it, don't prescribe it to me. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause you don't know. I'm not, I'm Connor's never programmed 10 sets of 10 <laughs> for me. And this is not an invitation for you to start. Connor. <laughs> yeah. 
Listen, mate. Don't don't talk about it. Let's be about yeah. it. I'm gonna do ten sets. But of I 10, actually, I really, I really through. resonate. I really resonate with that. Um, yeah. And that kind of that kind of mentality of embodying what you believe in, and not just talking about it. And I, I actually also through my experiences and and with like you say, when you start getting into it and you realize that yes it's your passion and it's what you love doing but actually it's something more than that as well and it's you're like shit this is this is real this is serious yeah. and and you know i've i've kind of felt the same with with what i do and from you know the the reinventing and competing it was all a hobby and it was all it was all just just there and it was just a a fun thing that i did and then there was never a time when i was like okay from this point on i'm gonna be a professional it kind of just happened and just transitioned into okay then i basically then i just didn't get a real job (laughs) (laughs) um and but then you know then i was starting to you know get sponsors and more support and there was you know forms of revenue but then there was also more pressure from the competitive side and then there were moments where i'd stop and be like shit like this is this is for real like some of this stuff is pretty serious and I actually have to pick up on a lot more of the kind of finer details of, of training and management as well as the business side of it. You know, like, like you say, like the accounting and, and making sure that you're not running at a loss and you're able to afford it all. Um, yeah. And actually the, there's a really interesting, there's a, there's a saying um, that was said by like one of the kind of old school coaches in a, in equestrian that, they go something like, "Don't, don't let the books get dusty, and don't let your boots get moldy." And I just love that. Like, right. it's just, it's exactly what you're saying as well. You know, like read the books and learn the theory and learn, learn everything behind what you're doing, but then actually go out and do it as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And learn and learn how to learn, right? Like, if you if if you tell me like if you tell me any like any skill, it's like. If you you ask an eighteen year old to declare his major or her, ma- her major or whatever in in college, right? It's like the person's eighteen years old, right? Yeah. What the fuck do they know about what they're gonna do for the rest of their life, right? Nothing, right? But the like the the effective the the thing that you that you learn in those scenarios, the most important thing I think that you learn is you learn how to learn, right? You learn yeah. how to learn. You learn how to study, right? So then yeah. whatever, whatever topic, whatever whatever space you end up in you continually you're continually learning you're always a student right I'll, I'll never know everything about anything that I'm doing like I'm always open when somebody comes and tells me like look this is a better way to do it try it like try this and it's actually a better way to do it I'll yeah. do it right yeah. I have no attachment to to the ways in which I do things and know things right I want to I want to do it the best way that I can do it Absolutely. But I think that in itself is a massive turning point as well. Like a really big thing to learn is that you have to know that you don't know, you know, and learning just that kind of fact of life that like knowing that you, there are a lot of things you don't know and a lot of things that you don't know, you don't know. And once you kind of realize that, like it's a fucking big world out there and and learning learning is every day you know yeah that's a fact yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yeah it's um that's i, I love i love to hear that because i you know i've been in in this industry for 
I don't maybe like seven, eight years now. Uh, and I feel like the last two years, I've really started to embody what you spoke to me about not months ago. And it's really sort of changed my perspective on, which I think is also why I enjoy being at JDI so much is because, you know, you, it, it's just simple. Like we have the basics that we do really, really well. And if something works better, then when you're not afraid to try it, you're not afraid to share that wisdom. Um, but for the longest time, I don't know whether it was the circles that I was in or whatever, but people seem to keep that information to themselves for fear of like not letting others know about certain things. Um, I think that's the, that's the toxicity that's in our sport, man, in our sports. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? In, in this world, like in the training world, it's like that people think that they hold this this kind of knowledge that no one else in the world knows right and they're the best at what they do and the moment that they share that knowledge that somebody like somebody's going to take it and threaten their position in that space it's like no fuck that man yeah. you gotta share what you got man you know you you, you get it you learn it because you got to give it away that's it man and if somebody you give it away and somebody does it better than you well now they're your friend because you gave it to them <laughs> you know what i mean like, yeah that, you know, but, but that's, that's how, that's how, like, I'm, I'm always, I always say that to people, like when they come in, people come in like, oh, I want to, I want to open a gym. Right. Cause I mean, that's every, you know, personal trainer strength yeah. coaches dream. Right. They, because, because there's a lot of um like, like there's a lot of glamour behind it. Right. And in, in, in like, in, especially like in the media, there's a lot of glamour around owning a gym, but like, you don't they don't necessarily understand what goes into it right but if anybody who tells me like hey i'm thinking about opening the gym like can we sit down and have a conversation i want to figure a couple things out i'm like yeah like assuming i have time right like i'm like yeah i got you like let's let's talk like whatever you want to know you want me to connect you with something with the guy who does my access system i'm happy to connect you this is what we use this is how we do it this is what we do right like it's not a secret though yeah. You know, and it shouldn't be. And I feel like if more of us approach it, and it's the same with, with the knowledge around training, right? It's like if more of us approach it like that, we just have a bigger body of knowledge and there'd be less, there'd be less of a there'd be less of an impression on the public that like I need to go to this person because yeah. this person has the key, right? He, that person doesn't have the key, right? I'm sorry to break it to you, man. Whoever it is, right? Yeah, there ain't no secret. Yeah. Absolutely. Um I want to finish with this. So uh, I took a quote, which was directly from you. Um, and when I read this, it, it gave me gave me some goosebumps. Um, I, I like reading if you can't tell. But so I began to wonder if I was so preoccupied with not letting my incarceration define me professionally, that it was letting me control, that it was controlling me personally. Um, so articles. Said, you read my articles. Man. That was that was so, so <laughs> profound. Yeah, you know, I do some research on people before <laughs> we get on here, you know. <laughs> um, I appreciate that. Yeah, it, one, one thing that really stood out to me is, as, as we've touched on here, you said that people have this kind of preordained notion or assumption of what it's like to be in prison for movies um, without really knowing without really knowing them or, or where they grew up or what their life is. It's, it's essentially like, cre it's, it's like comparing a carrot to an orange. You know, they're, yeah, they're the same color, but they're entirely different. You know, they offer us completely unique experiences. So how have you navigated that through like your career and your personal life? Have you found 
like people to be sort of accepting of that or empathetic or, you know, because I, I honestly believe like some people just don't know how to act. They don't know how to be human. And what I mean by that is they don't, they feel like they need to act around a certain way around different people. Um, and I, I never got that from you, you know, like you and I, we, we connected very personally. We connected well, same with Jesse, same with Harper. And it's never been, I, you know, apart from this, this is the most I've known about you and it hasn't changed my opinion of you whatsoever. If anything, I, I, I hold you in even higher regard because of the information you shared with me. Um, so, yeah. Um, I, I I appreciate that. Um, I, I mean, I think I wrote that at a moment where it was like I was coming to, I was coming to a realization about my my situation because when when I came home, I I didn't I didn't want me being in prison. I didn't want to be in, um, with all due respect. I didn't want to be con body, right? So with all due respect to him, because I know the owner of con body, great guy, marketing genius, right? Um, but I didn't want that to define me, right? I didn't want to be I didn't want to be the good um, formerly incarcerated person, right? I yeah. wanted to be good because I was good. Like I wanted to be respected because I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying to myself, like I'm smart, I'm capable, I'm well-read, I'm well-studied in this, right? I'm well-practiced, like I'm good at what I do and I want to be recognized because I'm good at what I do, right? That was my mentality. And I thought that me inserting the fact that I had you know, spent all this time in prison would be like a detriment to that. It would make people look down on me and say, oh, that's this, this jail dude who knows how to work out, right? He, yeah. Or he, yeah, he works out, he, his jailhouse workouts, right? Because it's not, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> that's that's the association that I was that I was scared of. So I shied away from that. And I was like, yeah. all right, well, I don't want to be like, I don't want to be that guy. But then like you, you reach points in conversations with people where... <laughs> You not talking about your experience, your past becomes dishonest, mm. right? So, like, if we have a conversation, kind of you and you say, "Yeah, man," in in 2013, I got this book called Jailhouse Strong. You know what's what? You know what 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 were you doing in 2013? Like, do you remember where you were in this this period? And and the yeah. truth is, I was in. I, I remember what jail I was in, right? I remember what prison I was in. I remember what yeah. I was doing. I do. I could tell you, but then it's like, nah, nah, I don't really remember. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or nah, I was, I was away doing this. It's like, it starts to become a lie and you're living a lie. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you, 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 whatever, you know, like whatever we've, we've, we've done in our past, it contribute, it, it plays into who we are today. Right. And my, my time in prison, like I have deep regrets around, around, you know, why I went to prison. I have deep, you know, like and deep thoughts, you know what I'm saying? Just lots yeah, of, of it's lots. I have lots of regret associated. Lots of like, like how my life got there, how I let people influence me, who influenced me. Like lots of stupid decisions that I made in my life. But I, I can say this: that this, in, in spite of all that, like I'm happy with where I am today, right? And I'm happy with who I've become. And I and I can say that you know pretty confidently, right? Yeah. So. In order to say that, though, I have to acknowledge all that stuff, right? And that all of that stuff played into, played into who I am. So, it, I don't. It's not like I meet someone and front load the conversation. Oh, hey, yeah, my name's Alex. Yeah, by the way, you know, 
you know, I did 15 years in prison. You know what I'm saying? I don't front load it. Right. Like, but like in the context of a conversation, I, it's just part of my story, man. You yeah. know, and it's like when it comes out and when it is, then it is, you know, and, and if you want to talk about it, if you want to talk about it more, we can talk about it. Right. But if not, and, and you're willing to, to, to like, to like leave it as is and accept that you're not the worst, I'm not the worst thing that I did in my life. And you're not the worst thing that you did in your life. And, and we can move forward from there, then, 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 then let's do that. You know? Um, so, so yeah, so I was, I was finding that me trying to be that held me back. Right. Yeah. And then, and then when I was more honest about my story with people, people actually embraced me more. Right. And, uh, and, and, and not hundred percent of the time. Right. I had, I had lots of times where people were like, Oh, right. And, and faded off. Right. Okay. But there were a lot more times that 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 I, I got your response, right? That that someone said like, "Oh, hey, like I've actually never met someone who did that much time in prison, but like you're not what I would have expected, right?" Yeah. And people tell me all the time like, "I would never have thought that you did that much time in prison." And it, it raises another question, right? Is like, well, what is a person who's done yeah, all that time is supposed to look like, right? But but it is what it is, right? And people have their ideas about that, so. Um, yeah, man. So I, I just like, 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 again, it's like, it's, it's, it's a, it's a part of my story and it's something that I have to live with as part of my story. Right. Cause I made it part of my story. Right. Um, but it's also, it's also shaped who I am and it's made me better. Yeah, for sure. I love the way that you, that you phrase that as well. Cause you know, you, it, I think, it, it's 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 more brave to live the person that you are than it is to live the person that you don't want to be you know like trying to hide your past if people ask you then you're not going to say no anymore but i just yeah it, I, I that's why i when i read the article i was like i really want to bring this up because i just think that for me is the most important thing you know is um it's not taking someone at face value and like not having these assumptions of people so that was that was fantastic and thank you so much for sharing that as well yeah no thank you for sharing that we really appreciate that and and it, i i suppose it's kind of it can be a bit of a balancing act as well kind of, of like you say not front loading it and, and making it this sort of leading element of your identity and not letting that in itself define you but then also being like yeah that is part of who i am and that is part of you know my journey and what i've been through um and it's shaped shaped you to be who you are today and being open and honest about it which you you obviously are and yeah like how how important do you think it is for for to, to have that kind of that i guess authenticity and, and to be sort of as open and honest as you can about it in terms of whether that be kind of raising awareness or, or, or generating more kind of acceptance around, around people with those backgrounds or, yeah. Like how big of a role do you think that plays? Oh, uh, I mean, I think it, I mean, I think when, 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 a, when a person meets me and has that feedback, right. It's just redefined what they think about formerly incarcerated people generally, right. Whether they yeah. mean for it too or not, it does because they had this idea and this impression. And I just, and I just I, like, I just changed that for them. Right. So, so I, th I think it does. And also it's like it's also like doing work in those spaces. Like, I, you know, like I, I do. I also do do work in 
you know, like in the criminal justice space um, still, you know, and I'm, I'm, and I'm connected, you know, I have, I still have, you know, good, good friends who are still, you know, who are still, still incarcerated, you know, and ones who come home every day, you know, like my yeah. best friends are people who I did time with literally. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and people will tell you like, Oh, you're supposed to get away from people who you didn't know. We were all young and did dumb shit. And we are, are better people now right like we're, yeah. we're we're growing and and we're doing it together like and we support each other we understand each other's experiences and stories and i can share jokes with them that i can't share with anybody else you know what i mean and it is what it is man and 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 you know those are those are like my brothers man i love them you know what i'm saying so um so so yes like all, all of that and then also like continuing to work in the spaces right like i'm i'm you know i do work with with adolescents and i i you know i've like also built a business around that like you know and 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 you know i'm trying to get involved a little bit more in like rikers island and you know going back in and offering people you know all of my staff in those in that business is formerly incarcerated right like i have you know i have a formerly incarcerated person on my staff at JDI that nobody knows about, right? You know what I'm saying? But it's like, they're always going to be like it. And it's because it doesn't matter. You know, it's because it has yeah. nothing to do with his job. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Alex, thank you so much. Is there anything, any, you any, anything you want to finish on? Or, uh, you know, where, where can people sort of connect with you if, if they want to find out more information, come down to JDI, get trained by you potentially, <laughs> um, you know, pl plug all that. Yeah. All right. So um, you can always find me at JDI Barbell on Instagram. My personal Instagram is at whole purpose. So that's my last name, H-A-L-L purpose um, underscore, I think. Um, but you'll find it. And, um, you know, JDI's website, jdibarbell.com. You reach out to us anytime. Um, the, our, our email contact at jdibarbell.com. That's also, um, I'm also accessible that way. Uh, I'm not hard to find. Um Feel free, anybody. You know, you, you, you want to get want to get involved with us. Um, yeah, come on over. Um, and 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 on on this side, on the other side of things, like I, I love what you guys are doing here, and I love that you're using this space. Although you're weightlifters, and this is you know like a, a weightlifting channel in a sense, yeah. right? It's like you, you're opening the space to to all these other topics and and offering a different perspective, and it's needed in all communities, right? Not just not just like you know, not just outside of weightlifting, not just outside of powerlifting, right? It's it's needed everywhere, man. And I appreciate what you guys are doing, and thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Alex. Guys, thank you coming on, bro. Honestly, yeah. it's such an incredible, incredible story and conversation. So thank you. No question, man. Thank you, yeah. man. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Into the Unknown. We will catch you on the next one. Peace out. Thank you so much for joining us Into the Unknown. Uh, if you want to connect with us and get in touch, you can find out more about me at Stoke Strength Systems on Instagram and Connor Lift Stuff for my business page. And you can find me at, at usuan.su.eventing on Instagram. Yushan Sue Eventing on Facebook and sueyushaneventing.com And if you want to get a bit more engaged uh, with our community and you liked this episode, please like and subscribe. Uh, follow on, the, on, on Spotify. And we'd also love to hear your thoughts on this episode's topics. So please drop them in the comments. Catch you next week.